a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but they are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Father, bless the reading of your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing. For these next few moments, as we concentrate on the word, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you fill me with your spirit and enable me to preach what you have given me. May our hearts be drawn to you. May we love you more. May we worship you more. And if there's one who's listening, either by our broadcast or here in person, that has never placed his or her faith in you. May he or she do that before it's everlastingly too late. Again, we love you. We praise you. And Lord, I need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One day a little boy was outside playing and he came running into the house. His mother stopped him and she asked him what he was doing and what was on his right hand. He answered, oh, it's just a little mud. His mother then asked if he was planning on getting it off his hand. He thought for a moment and he said, Sure, Mom, I'll just wipe it off with the other hand. Now, there's only one problem with that plan. One dirty hand plus one clean hand equals two dirty hands. But many people are like that little boy when it comes to Christianity and religion. They see evil and wrongs in their life and they think they can make themselves clean by bringing in the good in their life to bear on the problem. I want to stop that right there. Cuts in and out. You may not hear it, but I hear it. And that aggravates me to death. But it doesn't work that way. We all need a way to be made morally and spiritually clean. And we're never, listen to me, you and I will never succeed in doing this in and of ourselves. Religion says you must do something to make yourself clean. You must do something to get God's favor. If you don't do this, God's going to get you. I've had people tell me before, well, I give because I don't want my car to break down. Well, I hate to tell you, your car's probably going to break down anyways because man made it. Religion says you must do something to make yourself approved of God. You see, the only solution is to be found in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all our sins. That's what Paul has been teaching. We just finished the last part when he taught us that you and I, those of us that have believed in Jesus, we are complete in Him. He now turns his attention to to the false teachings that were being promoted 
by the religious leaders in uh, there at Colossae. These false teachers began to teach Gnosticism. Now you and I, we, we don't, we're far removed from Gnosticism, but Gnosticism taught that one had to have this superior, special knowledge uh, to break for their soul to break through the physical realm into the spiritual realm. <laughs> well, that leaves a lot of us out, right? I don't know about you all, but I like you know a few few uh, boards of a full load there upstairs sometimes. But this guy says these people taught this, and this false doctrine developed, and it claimed that salvation can only be obtained through this special knowledge. You got to have this special knowledge. And this way the Gnostics, they replaced faith with intellect. Gnosticism followed the Greek philosophy that all matter was inherently evil. Only non-physical spiritual realities were good. You see, Gnosticism affected the person's morality in one of two ways. There was the tendency for them to either indulge or go overboard in self-indulgence. The other was asceticism. That was... Simply severe discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence. Now, Paul's opponents were ascetics. They found legalism alluring to their idea and the strict Jewish laws. They loved it because it made them look good. That mixed easily with their harsh, self-denying rituals. Paul warned his readers that such rituals were useless and they had no spiritual value. All of us are one time or another have been exposed to religion and legalism. It might not have been exactly like they were facing, but all of us have faced it. We've all been in a church today that have man-made rules promoted as self or as promoted as proof that you are saved, right? How many of you have heard, well, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this and you got to do that to be saved. Many have made rules of man more emphasized in our churches than we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, we have what we call denominationalism. I remember I heard a story that was quite fascinating. There was a man who was stranded on an island. And uh, he was rescued from the island. And as they rescued him, they were talking about the different huts he had. And they said, well, what's this hut over here? And he said, well, that hut is where I live. And he said, well, what's this hut over here? And he said, well, that's, that's the hut I go to church in. And he said, okay, well, what's this hut over here? And he said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> Some of you get it right there. <laughs> different denominations teach different things you must do. Uh, I, we've all heard it. Some of them say you've got to be baptized to be saved. Some say you've got to speak in tongues to be saved. We've all heard these things. We've heard that, ladies, if you don't have a dress on, you can't be spiritual. <clears throat> and we've, we're all sick of this stuff because it's man-made garbage. And Paul addresses it. Paul argues it's not what we do for Jesus, but it's what Jesus Christ has done for us. Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we now follow him through the word of God. Remember when Jesus said, follow me, the disciples, and I'll make you fishers of men? What does it mean to follow Him? Well, obedience to God's Word is not legalism. Obedience to God's Word is what it means to walk by faith. It's what it means to follow Jesus. 
Never confuse obedience to the Word of God with legalism. Legalism comes from man. It's man-made regulations that help get you to God. But there's only one problem. You can't get to God. He came to you. So religion originates with man and says, you must keep these rules. Christianity originates with Jesus and says, because you have believed in Him, you now have the freedom to follow Him. So Paul speaks about this religion and he says that Jesus Christ is preeminent over religion. So what does he say about religion? Look at verses 16 and 17 with me. In verse 16, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. What the Apostle Paul says is, don't let anyone condemn you over religious practices. Don't let anyone condemn you over religious practices. Because you don't do this or you don't do that. And he mentions things that were specific to them. The Jews were really, they knew they had dietary laws. They had uh, festivals that they observed. The moon, all these things. They did those things. And the religious leaders would say, if you're not doing these things, then you can't pass from that physical realm to that spiritual realm. In other words, God's not going to accept you if you don't do these things. And Paul points back to those things and he brings in the law into discussion here. He says these rules are a shadow of the reality that is to come. Now if I ask Jason to come up here and Jason stood here behind this light and the shadow, his shadow was cast upon the wall and I walked up to Jason, walked by him and walked right over here and began talking to his shadow. His shadow would not answer me. Would he? Y'all scared me. <laughs> his shadow would not answer me because his shadow cannot talk. His shadow can't think. His shadow can do nothing. That is the law. The law is not able to make us spiritual. It, it, is, it, it, is, it is not capable of making us spiritual. It's just a shadow. All the law was for was to show us we needed a Savior, Jesus Christ. And to point to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the reality. The law is the shadow, but Jesus Christ is the reality. Yet in our churches across the land, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, don't do this. Don't listen to this kind of music. Don't dress this way. You can't go here. You can't eat there. You can't do this. And we are being brought back into bondage. Shadows are not the real thing. So let me ask you a question. So why then do religious people emphasize shadows? I'll tell you why. Because it makes us feel good in our flesh. We can check the list. I went to church Sunday morning. I gave. I even sang. And I did my duty. And I feel spiritual about myself. It's so much easier to check the list than it is to walk by faith. The reason religious people emphasize the shadows is because it appeases people. We have become people pleasers in our land today. 
And we want the approval of other pastors. We want the approval of other people in the community. Christians, we want them to think that, man, he is a real good Christian. And most of the decisions in church are based upon what others will think. And Paul stands starkly against it and says, do not let anyone condemn you over these religious practices. I mean, I don't know about you all, but I like bacon. You like bacon? When I went to Israel, the one complaint I had about Israel, you could not find bacon anywhere. Why? Because they're dietary laws. Man, I, you can put bacon on ice cream and make ice cream taste better. But you couldn't find it anywhere. Why? Because they weren't allowed to eat it. And they equated their dietary laws with pleasing God. But it wasn't pleasing God. It was merely pleasing the rabbis and the organized religion passed down and on and on and on. So Paul says, don't let anyone condemn you over these shadows. The second thing he says, look with me in verse 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Number two, don't let anyone cheat you of your reward. Don't let anyone cheat you of your reward. Quite literally, this word cheat is of an umpire who has to make a judgment. He has to give a judgment call. It means to defraud you. Paul is saying don't let them defraud you. Don't let them make a call against you to move you from your reward. Those believers who turn from the reality of Christ to the shadow, it cheats them of their rewards in Christ. Now listen to me. There's not a lot of teaching done. We've done it here in the church because rewards are huge in the Bible. And a lot, a lot of people teach about rewards. But when we get to heaven, those who have been faithful, they will be rewarded for what they have done since they believed in Jesus Christ and their faithfulness. Not for a loss of salvation, but for a reward. Their salvation was determined on the cross. And if you let someone come in and turn you from Christ to the shadow, you will lose those rewards you could have in heaven. And I will tell you this. I'll tell you this. No matter what you think about here, no matter what you think about heaven, the streets of gold, the river of life, all that stuff, none of that stuff matters. Jesus matters. How do I know that? Because everyone in the scriptures who saw the resurrected Christ, they were forever changed by it. John on the Isle of Patmos fell at his feet as though he were dead. When Paul says, don't let them cheat you, what he means is don't let them rob you of your spiritual rewards. Don't waste your time on the shadow. Focus on the reality. And if the shadow moves you from the reality that is Jesus Christ, then you will lose your rewards. You'll waste a lot of time. How many of us? Billy Graham preached when he was young. And uh, he was preaching at a, at a small church. He was sitting up on the stage and he wasn't ready to preach yet. And they passed the offering around. And they came up to him and stuck the offering plate in his face. Well, he said he was kind of embarrassed. So he reached in his wallet and he grabbed what he thought was a 10, but it was a $100 bill. It's all he had left. He threw it in the offering plate. After he preached, the church it was a small church. And they couldn't afford to give him a love offering. So he was leaving. And on his way, he was driving. And he told his wife, he said, he said, Ruth, uh, he said, uh, I, I gave $100 and I meant to give 10 
was ten, I gave her all a hundred dollar bill. And she reached over and patted him on the shoulder and said, Billy, it's okay. God will reward you for that ten dollars. Don't you just love when your spouse speaks that word into your life? Just like a judge who disqualifies those who turn the wrong way in a race, so believers who turn from faithfully following Christ will be robbed of their rewards in Him. When you and I see Jesus face to face, none of this earthly stuff will matter. We put so much emphasis on stuff that perishes. And we don't focus on the eternal Christ. And when we see Him, that's all that's going to matter. All throughout eternity. So how did these religious leaders do this? There's a number of ways. Look what he says here in verse number 18. Taking delight in false humility. Humility literally means low in mind. It was false. They were really proud, but they, they disguised their pride as humility. Oh, you know, we're just here trying to serve the Lord and do what's right. You, you know, you, you, you've ever met somebody who says stuff like that, so you say, oh, you're such a good person. They pump you, you know what I mean? They want a compliment from you. It's called false humility. It's really not false at all. Oh, I'm lower and dirtier than dirt. And I used to see guys, and I'd say, how you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm lower than dirt. And I'm like, good grief. I'm going to stop asking you how you're doing. You know, there are some people, yeah, you're afraid to ask them how they're doing because you're afraid they'll tell you how they're doing. They were falsely humble. And the worship of angels. I don't forget one time I was in a meeting. This woman, I think it was this church. I can't remember this church, the other church. This woman was given a testimony. She was testifying. And uh, she said, uh, well, you know, I needed a sign from God. If you all were here and heard that, you all saw that I was sweating great drops of blood there that morning. She said, uh, yeah, I was going in the grocery store and I was asking a sign from God that my father was already and died. And she said, I looked down there at the doorway and there was an angel pen. And that was God confirming that, that my dad was okay. And I was like, no, someone lost a pen going in the grocery store. <laughs> These people would worship, worship created beings. If we're not careful, Christianity can become worship rather than worshiping Christ. Pastors can become worship. They can put themselves on a pedestal and they can elevate themselves and I'm God's man and you submit to me and blah, 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 blah. blah. And some people are more, more uh, committed to the image of Christianity than they are to Christ himself. To worship anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ is idolatry, as defined by Scripture. It is sin. Visions, how about that? Visions. I've got a word from the Lord. Well, I've got thousands of words from the Lord. But they put an emphasis on visions and and they're arrogant, they're motivated by their fleshly mind, vainly puffed up by their fleshly minds. But here's the big one. Look at the verse 19, the very next phrase. And not holding fast to the head. Not holding fast to Christ. This is a problem because Jesus holds the body together. 
He nourishes the body and He causes it to grow. That's what it says in verse 19. And not holding fast to the head. The head is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. They have departed from Him. And He is the only one that can nourish the body. He is the only one that can cause it to grow. From whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. They moved away from Christ to start worshiping angels and visions and this arrogant attitude that they had that they were superior and that by their keeping the law, they were more important than someone else. And so Paul asks a pointed question. He asks a pointed question to the Colossian believers and he's asking us at verse 20. Remember I taught you, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask why is it therefore? It points us back to the previous section of Scripture. Based on these guys teaching this false doctrine, this is what Paul says. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to the regulations? If you died to, with Christ to the basic principles of the world, why in the world would you want to pull yourself back under the regulations of the world? In the New Testament, Peter, and Peter was very outspoken, you know Peter, he would eat ham and he would be with the, the Gentiles and act like the Gentiles, but when the religious leaders came, he separated himself from them. And Paul called him out on it. And my paraphrase is, Peter, I can still smell the ham on your breath. And he said, why would you do that? There's, listen, there's two, there's two things that you and I have to understand about this. It changes everything. The first thing we understand is, first of all, we died with Christ. We died with Christ. Romans chapter 6 verses 2 and 5 tell us, certainly not, or uh, should be, I don't know if I, anyway, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. When Jesus died on the cross, when you and I believed in Him, we were united with Him in His death. Now He died a lot longer ago than when you and I believed in Him. But His death was enough. It satisfied the righteous requirements of God. And because we believe in Him by faith, we have died with Him to the things of the world. And the world no longer has control over us. Any control the world has over you, you have given it the authority. <coughs> we died with Christ. And if you died to that, why in the world would you want to resurrect those regulations in your life? If those regulations have no bearing on your spiritual being, why in the world would you submit yourself to them? 
We died in the likeness of His death and we were resurrected in the likeness of His resurrection. We walk in newness of life because we are new creatures created in Christ Jesus. So first of all, we die with Christ. Secondly, we're set free from the bondage of the world. Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 9. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? Why? Paul asked that question to Galatians. Why in the world would you want to come back under the bondage of the world? Why would anybody want to live in that? You see, it takes, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to put any kind of, of uh, spiritual unction in it. You can just follow these rules and you think you're doing all right and you think you're fine. But the Bible teaches us your works have nothing to do with it. It's the work of Christ on Calvary. It has everything to do with it. It's the work on Christ at Calvary that made us alive with Him. It's the work on, of Christ on Calvary that has taken us out of the bondage of the world. The world no longer controls us. That's why you don't have to watch the news all the time and you're all fretting and all upset and all worried about it. You don't, you're not under that bondage. And you're not going to change anything. God says evil is going to wax worse and worse. The best we know, America's not in prophecy. And those of us that believe, we ought to spend our time telling others about the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 2 tells us it's the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. It's not the rules and the regulation. It's God's grace and His mercy. And based on these two truths... Why would we want to bring ourselves back into the bondage of the world? So Paul lists some problems, some problems with the religions of the world. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23, notice he says this. Let's go down to 21. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are no value against the indulgence of the flesh. The first thing he says is they perish with the using. These human, these human teachings deteriorate as we use them. In other words, they're not eternal. They do not last. They cannot get you closer to God. They're useless. Do you know that there are people who believe weird things? Uh, I don't know if you've ever studied any of the world religions. But there's some weird beliefs out there. There are people who pray to this uh, Buddha, and they pray to cows over in India, and they, they worship all kinds of, of things. 
But none of that lasts. He goes on to say they are commandments and doctrines of men. They do not come from God. They're fleshly in this world. They will not help you one bit with your relationship with Christ. Yet we exert so much energy and effort on the things of the world and the teachings of the world that we don't focus on our relationship with Christ. They have an appearance of wisdom. Now having an appearance of wisdom and having wisdom are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. But again, other people think we're spiritual. And they have no help in conquering a person's evil desires. They can't help you with your indulgences of the flesh. They can't. Jesus Christ has set us free from the law, free from sin and the bondage of the world. Why would anyone want to place himself or herself back under that bondage? Why would I want to submit myself to that? Do not allow any man to condemn us or defraud us by trying to emphasize the commandments and doctrines of men. Stay connected with the head, which is Jesus Christ. He'll nourish you. He'll grow you. Don't allow anyone to bring you back into bondage. We're free from the law, free from sin, and the doctrines of men in Christ. John 8.36 says this, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Don't allow yourself to be brought back under the bondage of the world. These doctrines of men. Stay focused on Jesus. As a matter of fact, I find this not interesting. I find it interesting, but it's not coincidental. There's no coincidences. For that very reason, he starts next week. If then, the glass is off too soon. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Paul's going to transition and show us that it's all about our relationship with Jesus Christ, not those rules. Not those rules. But yet, pastors have told people, you've got to come to church more. You've got to give more. You know what I've learned in my years in ministry? A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. In other words, if I sit up here and browbeaching, 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 give you a bunch of rules and regulations, you're not going to do it. But if Christ, through His Word, and the Holy Spirit convince your heart of a spiritual truth that's in the Scriptures, you will change. Amen. And that doesn't come through the principles of the world. It comes through the principles of the Word. Jesus Christ, as we sang this morning, He's our all and all. Don't let anybody judge you. Don't let anybody bring you back under bondage. Stay close. Stay fixed on Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, we'd like to share him with you this morning. We'd like for you to have that knowledge that if you were to die today, you can go to heaven. Would you bow with me for prayer?